Check, check, mic check. Check, check, mic check. Welcome to Podcast Envy. I'm your podcast boss, Andrea Clunder. This is episode 67. And today I am bringing to you one of my very favorite podcast editing clients, Paul Riley from the Q&A Sales Podcast. Just kidding. You're all my favorites. Really? (laughs) Paul is actually one of the podcasters who inspired this entire pandemic podcasting pivot series that we've been doing here on Podcast Envy. Because in the very beginning, when the pandemic first got into full swing, I thought Paul was going to stop podcasting. Or at the very least, I thought he was going to fire me as his editor Because as a sales trainer and speaker, Paul spends a lot of his time traveling all around the country, helping salespeople become better at what they do. And just like that, all those speaking opportunities and travel dates just evaporated into thin air. And along with that, a whole bunch of revenue for the Riley sales training business. And with all that revenue evaporating, I was thinking, oh my goodness, the podcast budget is going to be one of the first things to go. But did Paul give up on his podcast? No, he doubled down. Quite literally, he went from one episode a week to two episodes a week. Because what Paul understands about selling and being in business during tough times is that it's important to stay relevant, it's important to stay connected, and that a time like this, when sales may be a little bit lean, is the perfect opportunity to educate and nurture your audience. And actually, Paul's show, not to give away any secrets, is one of those shows that despite the downturn, despite the overall rhetoric in the podcasting space that podcast listenership was down and numbers were down and people were listening less, the Q&A sales podcast is actually one of those shows that has been growing over the last few months. So go figure. Links to the Q&A sales podcast and all things Paul Riley will be in the show notes for this episode, of course, at thecreativeimposter.com forward slash pod envy zero six seven linked conveniently in the description in your podcast app. And lest you think you don't need to listen to the Q&A sales podcast because you're not a salesperson, think again. I would particularly invite you to go check out the series of episodes that Paul released specifically about how to sell during tough and uncertain times because I, as a service provider and small business owner, have learned a lot from listening to the show while editing that I have been incorporating into my business philosophy and practices as well. All right, here is my conversation with Paul Riley from the Q&A Sales Podcast. Paul Riley, thank you so much for joining me for Podcast Envy. How's it going over there today? You know, it is going great. You know, I'm here in the office. I am quarantining. I'm, I'm the only one allowed in my office right now, actually, with the exception of my daughter, who's in the other room playing on the iPad, making a birthday sign for one of her friends. So other than that, things are things are going great. So you do actually have a physical location that you can leave the house for a moment and still be in isolation. I can. And that is 
I'm very thankful for that, especially these days. You know, it's man, it's it's just such a bizarre time, right? Being, you know, either stuck at home, stuck in the condo, the apartment or whatever. It's nice to have a place to go. For sure. So you are one of my trusty podcasting clients. And so I hear your voice in my headphones every single week. And clearly, I know a lot about what your podcasting strategy. I've been calling it the pandemic podcasting pivot. Mm, That's a nice (laughs) ring to it. Why don't you fill us in a little bit? What is the Q&A sales podcast and what is the origin story? Where did it come from? You know, the idea of the podcast itself, the theme, the Q&A sales podcast, the idea generated a long time ago. Just to give you a little background, you know, for your listeners, what I actually do, I speak and train. That's my profession. So I train sales organizations. I speak at conferences, things like that. And after my programs, you know, people will always come up and say, hey, we've got just this one question that we didn't get to in the training, in the keynote presentation. And after these programs, I would spend a lot of time either responding to emails after the fact, spending time just talking to salespeople, which is just great. I love doing that. But I thought there's got to be a more effective way to answer these questions. And, And typically, I would answer the questions in a blog post, an article, something like that. But a few years ago, I really started to think about podcasting and I started listening to some podcasts. And as my interest level continued to generate in podcasting, I I finally figured out, okay, this would be the ideal platform to answer questions that salespeople submit. And so the idea has been around for a while, but the, I guess the delivery of it is, is relatively new for me. What do you think were some of the barriers to getting started from the time that you initially had the idea that it might be an effective way to communicate with your community and your salespeople? What did you need to put in place to be able to get that show off the ground? I think of a, a few things. Number one, time. Time is is one of those things that anytime you're, you're taking on a new venture or a new idea, something like this, you know, you're looking at how much time it's going to take. And, you know, like anything, podcasting was really new to me. I mean, I just started listening to podcasts just just a few years ago. And so to take this idea and figure out how to get started, you know, you go online, you Google how to start a podcast, you do all these things. And I started to realize, wow, this is going to take a lot of time. And, and do I really have the time? And is this the best use of my time? So that was the initial hesitation, I'll say. The next thing was talking to fellow uh, speakers and trainers that have created a podcast. And they told me all these horror stories about what a pain in the neck it is and how hard it is to find guests and and don't even try monetizing it because it never works. And I'm hearing all these negative things about it. And looking back now, after I've been doing it for several months, it couldn't be further from the truth. I mean, I, I think sometimes people are are using that to keep this as like the best kept secret to reach your audience. <laughs> you know, maybe they're trying throwing to- Throwing you off the scent. <laughs> yeah, they're, they're telling you all the bad things, but really just like anything you do, sure, at first it's uncomfortable, but after you try it more, once you actually make the commitments and decide, okay, this is how I'm going to move forward, it becomes a lot easier. You start generating momentum. And I think eventually- you know, you look at, at how you achieve outcomes or payoff from something like this. And that's a whole nother conversation, I, I think, perhaps on, on what realistic expectations are. And, and also, I think it's important to look at the true purpose of, of what you're doing. Well, I think that's a good point, because 
that is something that is in so many conversations in forums, online, and at podcasting conferences. The most popular sessions are always, how do I make money off my show? This word monetize. I hate that word so much. How do I monetize my show? And how do I get more listeners? Those are like the two top questions that everyone has going in. And I think setting the expectations, there's a lot of podcasting coaches and consultants out there that are selling the dream. Look at, you know, I'm making six figures off my podcast and I'm like, okay, (laughs) there's more to it than that. (laughs) What have been some of the pros? Like what have been some of the benefits? Because you're a relatively new podcaster. It hasn't Mm -hmm. been that long, but what are some of the benefits that you've already started to see that keep you investing the time and energy and money into it? Yeah, absolutely. And when I'm reflecting on the reason why I started the podcast and why I wanted to focus on this, it really aligns with my purpose in my business. You know, my my purpose is to positively impact the lives of other people by being a person of value myself. And that means I need to focus on helping my community more, solving their problems, serving their needs. And, and by doing all of those things, I think you'll naturally create a bigger audience, right? How could you not if you're focusing completely on what they need? Podcasting is just an extension of what I've already been doing my whole career. It's another way that I can connect with the community and help them and provide them support and guidance. And so with that being said, you know, I'm getting emails and phone calls from salespeople who tell me, wow, I can't believe you actually answered a question that I submitted on the show. For example, just a couple of weeks ago, I did an episode from a listener all the way from India, okay? And his name is Atul. And I felt bad because I I feel like in the podcast, I said a tool from India. So I I hope (laughs) they don't think that. I was like, oh, this this tool from India. No, his name was Atul. And so he submitted a, a question and he was gratefully sent me a note back saying, thank you so much for answering my specific question. And it was how to sell life insurance to protect mortgages. And it's a very niche question. You know, the the amount of people in the world asking themselves that question is very small, but it helped them. So that's rewarding is when people will say, hey, it's really been helpful. I love it. And also when they say, thank you for making it relatively short, they like the fact that it's, you know, 10 to 20 minute shows. Salespeople can listen to it in between appointments when they're driving to and from appointments where we used to do that. We'll do it again soon. But it is very focused on the content. And I also like bringing in a guest occasionally when they can provide some more depth to one particular question. That brings up about 10 different directions that we could go next. (laughs) One thing that I was thinking when I did hear your episode from India, you know, when you look in your podcast stats inside of your host, in this case, Libsyn, you see that people are listening from other countries, right? You see like, oh, here's a few listens from India. Here's some from Bangladesh. Here's some. And part of me is like, really? Who, why would they be listening to my show from somewhere else? And so I loved that I heard that because I'm like, this is validation that that is actually true, that it is a way to reach a global audience. And I'm wondering if you have a sense overall of who your listeners are, like obviously people who work in sales, but is there anything else that you can sort of infer or that you've been able to find out about who is actually listening to your show? It's because I'm just that awesome. (laughs) No, I'm kidding. That's That's not the case at all. I can assure you of that. But I've had a following before the podcast initiated, mainly in the U.S., 
Globally, not really. But I do have some clients that I work with, I train in the U.S. that have operations throughout the world. And I look at my audience on LinkedIn and there is an international presence there. I think that, you know, I'm picking up some of the the folks that have already been engaged in the content that I'm sharing. Now I have a new platform for them, but it's also starting to grow. I mean, as I mentioned on the podcast, there it's 32 countries now and in countries that I know that I haven't traveled to and spoken to or trained in rather. But I think what's happening is you put content out there and who knows how people share it. You know, a, a colleague in the U.S. who I trained, like a VP of sales, I worked with their group. He might be at an international meeting or conference with his entire company and say, hey, check out this podcast. It's got some great insight. Then that person checks it out. They share it with their sales team. I think the idea with this, if you create the value for your community and put it out there in a way that they can find it, they're going to reward you with listening and downloading and then also sharing it with people they think will benefit from the message. You've just got to put it out there. And to your point, I was amazed when I looked at, you know, initially the first few months, I was like, wow, it's been downloaded in like five or six countries. And then after a couple more months, it's up to 20 countries. Now it's up to like 32 or 33 countries. And that is really surprising to me, but it's neat too, right? Because now we're connected. We live in this world where, you know, the only limit to what we can find out is the edge of our imagination. And now we can share it via podcasting and, and that. So it's great. It's podcast angel time. This is that time of the episode where I get to invite you to take part in a product, service, or opportunity to make your podcast the envy of everyone else and hopefully make a little bit of money for my business as well. You know what they say, always be closing. Thursday, August 13th, 2020, Launch Your Podcast with Podcast Envy is coming up online via everyone's favorite platform, Zoom, 7 p.m. Central Standard Time. This is a whole overview of everything you need to get your show off the ground. And I still have a couple of free spots available in that class. So don't wait. You can get your spot at thecreativeimposter.com forward slash launch envy linked in the show notes for this episode, of course, in your episode description in your app. And if you're like, but I'm already a podcaster, I don't need the launch your podcast class. I want to ask you a question. Is everything about your show working exactly the way that you want it to? Are you 100% happy with the content, the process, the results? Are you missing opportunities to make your show even better? Hmm, let's talk about it. Podcast Envy Office Hours is now coming to Podcast Envy The Show. How it works is that you book a time with me, pick one thing about your podcast that you would like some help and support and discussion around, we'll get together online and we'll talk about it and see what we can come up with together. And then we'll share it with podcast envy listeners everywhere because I'm imagining that as podcasters, most of us learn pretty well from hearing from each other. The link to sign up for office hours, of course, is also listed in the show notes for this episode along with the link to your launch your podcast class on Zoom. Office hours with your podcast boss, that's me, are open. Don't miss this opportunity to advance your podcasting success. 
The other thing that I was thinking about when you and I first started talking about creating your show and you told me the idea was that you were going to have a form on your website and people were going to submit questions and you were going to answer them. There was a part of me that was like, oh, this is never going to work because getting people to take an action from a podcast can be so like... I hear this happening all the time where people are saying, I can't get any feedback from my listeners. I can't get them to click this link. I can't get them to take this survey. I can't get them to join this thing. I can't get them to, you know, like I can't get my audience to do anything. And I was thinking, what if nobody submits a question? And of course I had full confidence that you had some in your back pocket that you were ready to go. (laughs) So like get the momentum and to fill in the gaps. But I'm just curious, like how has that been going with question submissions? Have you been getting more than you expected, less? It's hard to say because I, I honestly, I had no expectation of questions initially because it's a show that's created by salespeople for salespeople. So my thought was, if we can get people engaged, if I can encourage them to go to the website to fill out the question form, if I can encourage salespeople to do that in our training programs, if I can encourage sales managers to get their people to do it, then eventually it'll take hold because you know, really, I was thinking, okay, who wouldn't like to hear their name and hear their question on a podcast that is submitted, you know, throughout the world? So we'll see what happens. I would say the the flow of questions is is now becoming fairly steady, where I'm getting a question every couple of weeks, every two or three weeks. Some questions I just can't answer on the show because <laughs> they're they're so outrageous, and I won't even mention them here, but some of them are just really interesting. Are they you know, legit or are they trolls? <laughs> they're they're legit, I'm afraid, but it, I don't even know if I could get into it, <laughs> to be honest. <laughs> they would be very inappropriate questions to answer on, on you know, a podcast that I have, for my platform at least. And it's interesting. It's fun to keep it interactive. And having the website that we built along with the actual podcast, you know, that just gives people one more way to connect. The traffic on the website has been pretty positive as well, you know, and I think that's where a lot of the downloads are coming from, you know, as well. So, you know, we'll see what happens with the questions, but I see that continuing to increase as people see that we're answering niche questions. I think they're going to be more apt to put their niche question in as well. Yeah. And speaking of traffic and stats and things like that, not to give away too many behind the scenes secrets, but I pay attention to all my clients' numbers. There's two things. One, don't pay too much attention to your numbers. Like don't get bogged down in that is the advice that I always give everyone. But at the same time, I keep an eye on things for everybody. And I am interested in trends and watching like when things spike and kind of trying to make conjectures about what might be happening. And I know that your numbers have been steadily increasing. Mm -hmm. And like you said, you started out out the gate, you already had a following that you could reach out to. So you didn't start from zero. I mean, everyone starts from zero, but (laughs) but they've been steadily growing. But then Speaking about this pandemic podcasting pivot, since you started shifting your content a little bit for current context and also increasing the frequency with which you're releasing episodes from once a week to twice a week, your average number of downloads per episode in the first 48 hours of releasing an episode has increased quite a bit, actually, Mm -hmm. which I think is interesting because across the board in podcasting, the reports are saying that overall podcast listenership is down a little Mm -hmm. bit since everyone started staying at home. And your trend is not reflecting that at all. And so I'm curious for you, first of all, if you could talk a little bit about what your content shift has been to be Mm -hmm. responsive to the time, 
why you decided to go that direction and why you decided to increase the frequency of publishing episodes sort of all in one. And I have a feeling it has something to do with that idea of going back to being a person of value and mm-hmm. providing something for your community. Yeah, no, absolutely. And what's interesting, so a couple weeks before before we kind of shut everything down, you know, so right in the beginning of March, I was speaking at a, a conference and I addressed a group of salespeople Initially, it's a conference called the University of Innovative Distribution. It's really, it's a, it's a great conference. So I spoke to a group of salespeople and then also a group of sales managers later in the afternoon. And it was kind of that interesting time where everyone was like, okay, I wonder what's really going to go on. What's this look like? And there was a lot of concern. I could sense it in the room from the sales leaders that I was talking to from the salespeople. And after that, I, I thought, okay, this is something I, I need to focus on. I need to help with. Personally, I've sold through the Great Recession before, you know, back in 2007, 2008, 2009. You know, I remember what that was like and, and how painful it can be at times. And that was not an easy time to go out there and try to sell. And so I, I thought, okay, we're probably going to enter some tough times here. That's what everything was looking like. And so then and there, I thought, I need to go back and take our content. We have a program called Selling in Tough Times in Tough Markets. And I decided I just need to get this message out there. I need to focus on on sharing this content, although we usually try to sell it to people, right? Via webinars, via a book. And I'm not saying I'm not gonna do that maybe in the next couple months, but initially people needed something to to lift them up, both their attitude and their skill set. So I thought, okay, let's focus on that. And then I said, okay, I need to bring in some guests that also are kind of doing the same thing that I'm doing as well. They can provide some insight. So I brought in some guests that can do this as well. As a speaker and trainer, I think last year I did 120 speaking engagements. So I'm traveling every week, speaking two, three times a week. And I didn't have time to create as much content as I would have liked. So to answer the other part of your question, I also decided to bump up the show from once a week to twice a week, frankly, because now is when I have the time. Now is when people are craving information and guidance. So I think it's important to share that with them. And also during tough times like this, I know this is when maybe some of my competitors who do what I do are getting scared or shutting things down. They're trying to hoard their resources. And I I never thought that was a good way to go through any tough time because this presents an opportunity. Right now we have an opportunity to continue to expand, to share the message. And all of that I think came to a head and I think that has helped spread the word a little bit. And I think providing this content, you know, like how do I sell in uncertain times? That show is the most downloaded show Mm -hmm. that I have right now. And the message is so on point. It's close to what salespeople are looking for and what sales leaders are looking for And so all of these shows, I create them thinking about the salesperson out there in the field facing these challenges. What do they need to hear, good or bad? What is it that they need from a skill set? And by focusing on that completely, I don't really worry about the downloads or think about them or how to monetize it. It's it's about creating value. And and those opportunities will come eventually, I'm sure. But the focus is, is just creating that value. Yeah, that makes a lot of sense. And something that I also will say is, Typically, I would not be listening to a podcast for salespeople because I don't consider myself to be a salesperson. That being said, being a self-employed person, 
you have to also be a salesperson. And that is not necessarily something that comes naturally to me at all in terms of my own products and services. And listening to your show has been helpful and illuminating for me too. Like there are certain things in there though, even though I'm not, you know, out there making sales calls per se, or like having prospecting lists or things, but just a lot about the mindset and looking for opportunities in the way that you frame things has been really helpful. Even I think for anyone who has any kind of entrepreneurial or business that they do need to figure out how to connect with those clients and customers. Absolutely. Yeah. I mean, and that's, you know, self-employed, and I know many of your listeners, your audience, they are self-employed as well. And we're always looking for ways to, you know, to build our business, to share our message, you know, what we're deeply passionate about. And that's why I love podcasting now, because it's it's relatively new, but it creates a whole new platform that that I was a fan of before, but now it's it's just part of the way I do business. You said that last year you did about 120 speaking engagements, and a lot of that was travel-based. Do you have a sense of what percentage of your revenue approximately is affected by not being able to do that right now? Uh, <laughs> I would say um, realistically about 70% of my revenue yeah. is right now is completely just gone. <laughs> you know, it's that and that's the near term dark picture of what's happening right now. I mean, I'm not getting on a plane. I have a training center here in St. Louis. You know, it's in my office in the back there. We usually do public seminars a few times a year. We're looking at how to shift that around. So I would say short term, yeah, the picture does not look good from a revenue standpoint. But as a business owner, what you do is as soon as this happened, you know, I did a, a basic stress test on my business and I said, okay, how long can can we operate here? And looking at it, you know, cash flow and everything coming in. You know, there's about a six month runway and I feel good about that. And that means if nothing else happened the rest of the year for six months, we can continue to operate as a business. Now, when we get to that point and, and things haven't changed, I will have already completely shifted the business by then because I'm a salesperson at heart. I'm going to find a way to make money. I mean, that's just the reality of it. But you stress test the business and then you give yourself a runway but the reality is as a small business owner, and you know this, you know, nothing's ever certain, nothing's ever guaranteed, things happen. We should all be used to fighting and clawing our way to make things happen. And people that are already doing those things and have been doing those things, we've got a skill set that we can call on that most people cannot. And I would say that's a good thing. Now, long term, obviously I've been doing more virtual training as well which is good. You know, that pulls in revenue. Also, that keeps me at home. So my kids don't have to, you know, watch me pack another suitcase. So that's a positive side of it. But I think right now with what my clients are telling me with training, speaking, coaching, whatever maybe your audience does right now, they have open ears. You have employees that are craving connection to their company. And I think offering training and coaching and consulting can certainly help with that right now, even if it's virtually. It's just a way to shift the business. Do you have any advice for either a current podcaster or an aspiring podcaster or someone who's just maybe thinking about it in terms of how and when to get started with their show? Yeah. So I think, first of all, if you have someone that is slightly interested in starting a podcast, if they have an idea, have them reach out to someone that is already doing it, right? For example, like reach out to you to ask you some questions, to talk through it, or talk to you know, another colleague about podcasting or someone that's already been doing it. Because 
As I mentioned earlier, when we first started talking, one of the reasons that I started podcasting was from uh, Chris. Chris Kremitzos. Okay. He's Greek, right? That's a, a big yes. Greek name. Uh-huh. I, so he came to the National Speakers Association Conference for the number of years. This is the association I'm a member of. Their conference every year is called Influence. And so you can imagine it's a bunch of motivational speakers coaches all together in one room. There's a lot of hot air, okay? And a lot of egos as well. Uh, but it, but it's a great time, good time to learn. And I sat in on his podcasting program where he talked about podcasting. And what was great is that I went in there and I thought to myself, okay, people tell me it's a pain in the neck to get a guest. People tell me that you shouldn't do a solo show. You know, it's not going to pay off. And I sat in on his program and he talked about 10 ways you can start a podcast And one of his things was a solo show. He highlighted some solo show. I forgot the name of it, but he said it's basically a QA and a show where this person answers questions. And he talked about how each question develops content that you can turn into a future book that you can transcribe for SEO purposes. And the show was very successful. And for me, that one thing connected with me. That was like the trigger event where I said, okay, I need to get this started. And that was one of the commitments I made after leaving my conference last year. I said, when I'm here next year, I'm going to look back and say, okay, I built a podcast. I started one. And I think it, you know, to get started, just talk to the experts, do the research and don't let the things that you don't know about or that you're not familiar with hold you back because you'll find a way to, to make it through. It's just a matter of committing. And by doing that, it's going to happen. So for current podcasters, how can they think about how to leverage tough and uncertain times, to use your phrasing? Mm -hmm. Yeah. (laughs) How can they think about how to leverage the tough and uncertain times and see the opportunity there right now for their communities and their show? As a current podcaster, I would say, look at your, your audience, right? And who your target audience is and ask yourself, okay, how is this individual, how is this employee, the salesperson, the engineer, whoever it might be, how are they personally impacted by this tough and uncertain time? And let your mind go wild with that. Think about it for a little while. Reach out to a typical audience member and just talk to them. Ask them what they're thinking. Ask them what they need, what they're looking for, what's important to them right now. What are their biggest fears? What are their biggest concerns? And just focus on that and and focus on what they need and focus on what their concerns are. And if you have expertise that can help them in any way, make that the focus of your show. If you don't feel like you have enough expertise to help them with some of their issues, use this as an opportunity to develop yourself and maybe bolster your confidence in helping them and advising them and guiding them through this. Okay. What's your favorite part of podcasting so far? My favorite part of podcasting... Oh, that's such a good question. <laughs> okay, so and this is kind of funny, but during some of the podcasts, I outline the show and what I'm planning on saying. Occasionally, I'm not saying this happens every show, but occasionally I'll look back at the show, listen to it, and I'll say, man, that was really profound what I said there. <laughs> and, and I had like no intention. It just kind of fell out. You know what I mean? It it just kind of happens when you're when you're in the flow, I guess, and you hear something you're like, wow, that you know what, that's that's pretty darn good, you know, and I think that's a product of preparing and, and certainly just knowing the topic that I speak on in sales and, and also what's going on right now. But I think you have those moments where you are able to articulate a message that you know is helping someone. 
And then to follow up on that, when someone reaches out to you and says, hey, that episode really spoke to me or that was perfect, I would say those are my favorite moments. And they happen to be consistent with what my purpose is as well. And now that you have a few interviews under your belt and a few of them with some very colorful characters, (laughs) (laughs) what do you prefer doing? Do you like doing the interviews or the solos? You know, they both have their advantage. The part I love about a solo show, it doesn't take much time to coordinate. I got to check my own schedule and then just get it set up. But the nice part about the interview is you can have a little back and forth, a little more conversation. It also, I think, adds a little color to the show as well, keeping it light in certain cases. And all in all, I would say, I'd have to say I enjoy the solo part, but I like sprinkling in that guest every now and then. I think that's important also to keep it fresh, you know, because the audience doesn't want to hear me all the time. That <laughs> My <laughs> annoying, boring voice. Come on. You know? <laughs> so, yeah, I, I like having the interviews as well. I find it interesting that somebody who speaks for a living would call their own voice boring. <laughs> I, I know. It's what does that say? Right. I mean, yeah. <laughs> Is there anything that you don't like about podcasting? The one thing I don't really like about it, what I'm about to share with you is my fault. The way I have my podcast equipment set up, as much as I'm podcasting right now with two episodes per week, I need to take the time and just really go to town and set it up professionally. I mentioned to you before, I've got like a green room area. I just need to repurpose it and have everything set up, ready to go so that I can just walk in, plug versus having to get everything set up, rearrange, reconfigure my workspace to podcast in. Just the equipment side of it, man, that that bugs me. Yeah, and I think that to your credit, a lot of people, they let that be an obstacle to actually making yeah. their show or getting started is they let the equipment or it doesn't quite sound as good as I want it to, or I'm not sure, you know, I have to set it up every time or if I have the right gear. And then they'll procrastinate everything because they're trying to get it exactly right. On the flip side, there are people who don't care at all. Yeah how their show sounds or how professional it is, or I just, you know, talk into my laptop and record it and then post it online. It's like, that's your brand. What are you thinking? Yeah. (laughs) You got to remember, it has to be reflective of what you're trying to sell to your community or or the image you're trying to project. It's got to be consistent. But there is something to be said for getting started, making Mm -hmm. sure it's good, and then seeing where you can improve and increase the quality as you go, for Mm -hmm. sure. That's everybody's dream, right? To have your own like professional studio that you can just walk into and press record anytime. (laughs) It'll happen eventually, right? It's it's a matter of just doing it. It's of all the things, you know, on my priority list, that's towards the bottom, I would say. But yeah, eventually. Actually, you know, though, there is one thing that annoys me about podcasting now that we're talking about it. I mentioned earlier, one of the things I love is you get on a roll and you kind of say things, you articulate a point really well, you know, it's going to help people. There are some days when I'm recording a solo podcast show where I just sound like a complete idiot. And you've seen some of the editing. When I send over unedited versions, I usually will say something like, hey, you guys are going to, you should get paid overtime on this one. Because it's <laughs> like, I I can't almost get out of my own head to articulate the message yeah. in a way. And that's one of those where I, I usually end up pausing and just kind of stepping back for a little while and then hit the recording button a little bit later. But that I'll tell you, that is one of the frustrating things. 
I will say that one of my favorite parts about being a podcast editor is when you, as the hosts, leave little messages for me in the audio. Oh, yeah. (laughs) You'll say, Andrea, I'm really sorry about this one. Or (laughs) editor, please ignore that. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Yeah, I enjoy that a lot. I'd almost want to do like a special outtake episode or something where you can just highlight all this or something. I don't know. That would be funny, it at would least be to funny. me, maybe not to, you know, the community, but oh well. <laughs> I have not been saving those things that hit the cutting room floor in a... <laughs> Good, that's... Okay, that was my roundabout a, way of asking. In a folder. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> the outtake folder. I could. Yeah. Maybe that's a value add that I can offer for my client. <laughs> yeah, a little extra. Blooper reel. I, I won't play the blooper reel right now. Just kidding. <laughs> exactly. Paul, is there anything else that you are thinking you'd like to share with Podcast Envy listeners today? Anything that's coming to your mind right now that we didn't get a chance to talk about? The one thing I would say, and this is just my opinion, maybe you can share or shed some more light on it. It seems like podcasting is still relatively unexplored territory for the way we can communicate with our clients, with prospective clients. And it it seems like it's going to continue to grow, become more and more popular And I would encourage people just to try it now, to act now. And once you get started, make the commitment to give it at least, at least one year of steady and consistent effort. And the reason why, you've got to view this as a long-term play. When I started with this, one of my goals was just to grow and expand my audience and deliver on that purpose of creating value for people and positively impacting their lives. And to do that, it's not going to happen overnight. But I was able to also justify the investment because I knew that I could use this as another way to support my current clients, that I'm able to recommend this. And it's another way for me to surround them with my message and and with this message that will help them continue to help them grow. And also, it's just one more breadcrumb you're leaving out there that leads back to you. And so it it has to be a long-term play and make the commitment. There was one of my colleagues who's a podcaster and a fellow speaker, and he he said something like almost half of podcasts don't make it past like 25 episodes or, or something like that, which shocked me. So I think the opportunity is real. I think you got to give it time, give yourself some credit for starting, and then realize you're going to have to continue to tweak it and, and make it better and just get started and stay committed. Podcast Envy is produced by your podcast boss, Andrea Klunder. That's me. The Podcast Envy theme music is by Valentin Sosnitsky, courtesy of the Free Sound Project at freesound.org. And our podcast angel music is by Benjamin Masterpolito, also on freesound.org as Lemon Cream. All music is licensed under the Creative Commons. Our episodes are mixed by Edwin Ruiz. And hey, if you want your show to sound as good as ours, hire us. Put the magic audio mojo of the Creative Imposter Studios to work for you. Thanks so much for listening, and here's to making your podcast the envy of everyone else.